0: Chapter 3, let's pray and dig into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. Lord, as we go to your Word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Not the words of man, but may the Word of God go forth with power. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. By the way, if you're new here today, I hope you feel welcomed and loved. Here at Calvary Chapel, we just moved to this building just a couple of months ago. And, uh, there's only two churches in all of Calabasas. We happen to be one of them. But when you show up, we don't have church membership. You show up, you're a part of the family. So we hope you feel like a part of the family. We hope you feel welcomed and loved. All right. Philippians chapter three. So by quick review, uh, Philippians, as we know, was written by the apostle Paul while sitting in prison. Paul was awaiting his potential, uh, Uh, He was going to appear before Caesar Nero. We know that he's not actually going to die this time, but he's been in prison for four years, and he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. Part of the reason was there was some division within that local church that he had helped plant. He was the original pastor there, and now he's writing this letter back to them to encourage them and to remind them of who they are in Christ, to bring restoration between some of the Christians that were uh, at odds with each other. We'll see that next week in chapter 4. And he was also, amazingly enough, we all know this, we've been coming at all. What is the the one word theme of this letter? What is it? It's joy. 19 times he used the word joy or rejoice. And so here's a man sitting in prison, knowing his life could end at any moment, and he sends a letter filled with joy. And guys, that's only possible if you have an eternal perspective. You know, you can't threaten us with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And praise God for that. And so in chapter 1, we saw having joy in spite of your circumstances. Too often, we allow our circumstances to determine whether we have joy or whether we walk around discouraged and depressed. Chapter 2, it was joy in spite of people. We all have people in our life that can bring, uh, you know, take our joy away from us if we let them. And then now as we got to chapter 3, we looked at the first 11 verses last week. Let's review those quickly. We talked about the title of the message, Rejoice in the Lord. And guys, we do have reasons to have joy, and then there are things that will rob us of our joy. And the three things in this chapter, we saw the first one last week, was a self-righteous attitude. Uh, Legalism will steal your joy. And what do I mean by legalism? Anytime you add to the cross of Calvary, you are preaching a false gospel. Can I get an amen? And there were people in Philippi that were telling the people in, in that church, in that city that if they didn't add circumcision, if they didn't add some of the Old Testament law, that they were not really saved. And so Paul wrote to them to, debate not to debate it, but to correct it, to say, look, that's just not true. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And have you ever noticed that people that are self-righteous tend not to have a lot of joy? Can I get an amen to that? Have you ever met anybody that's, that's legalistic and pointing fingers at everybody else and telling us all the other things we need to do to really walk with the Lord? So here's the definition of legalism. It's when I take a personal conviction that I have and make it essential for your salvation. I have personal conviction that God has given me. I have a personal conviction. I believe it's biblical for pastors. I don't drink alcohol, have nothing to do with it. Again, you can have a glass of wine with dinner. That's between you and the Lord. So if I got up here and said, if you drink alcohol, you're going to hell, that would be legalism. Can I get an amen to that? So the reality is, it's when I take my personal conviction, and we saw that they believed you still had to be circumcised. You still had to keep the law of Moses. So they were adding to the cross of Calvary, and he said, that self-righteous attitude can rob us of our joy. Guys, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Can I get an amen? Now, but we'll see this morning that while we are under grace, grace is freedom from sin. It's not freedom to sin. Amen? And we have two extremes. You have the legalist who walks around with all these 5,000 rules he says he's got to keep to earn heaven. And then you have people that are on the side of cheap grace, where, hey, I got the get out of hell free card. I can live however I want. It doesn't matter. Guys, we're called to be holy, for he is holy. We're called to obey his word but we must never add to the cross of Calvary when it comes to the gospel. So last week, we talked about who Jesus is. He's all-knowing, he's almighty, he's holy, he's righteous, he's faithful, he's in control. We talked about what he's done for us. And in light of those things, guys, we should have joy. As believers, the things that get taken away from us in this life are all temporary and don't impact eternity, and we must not let those things take our joy. Now, the two things we're gonna look at this morning that I think are so huge in the life of so many believers. So not only can self-righteous attitude and legalism rob us of our joy, so can focusing on the past. How many of you guys have ever struggled with focusing on your past? Where you're remembering what's in the past and what's behind you. Both the things you've done in the past that you think make you beyond being forgiven, or things you've done in the past that cause you to be lackadaisical about who you are now. And the Apostle Paul had both reasons. He could have been condemned by his past, and he also could look at the past and see how many churches he's planted and how much he's done for the Lord, and he could be you know, complacent in his walk. Guys, leaving that which is behind, pressing onward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? No matter how many... Wonderful things God has done through you in the past. Praise God for them. But don't camp out there. Be faithful going forward. No matter what struggles you've had in the past that you feel like you cannot be forgiven for, you need to know that the Lord has forgiven you. He has separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. And don't be camped out with condemnation in the past that comes from the enemy. Get your eyes on the Lord and start serving Jesus going forward. Can I get an amen? Finally, we're going to see the reason that can also rob us of our joy which is having a worldly focus. And we live in a world that surrounds us, and I think we're the generation that has the most of the world poured out on us just because of social media. Can I get an amen to that? We have so much access to everything going on around us, and it's amazing if you just turn off your phone for a couple days how much more joy you kind of have. Can I get an amen to that? Because all this stuff just comes at you non-stop, and, there's all, and that stuff, is, half it's not even true. You know what I mean? And all this stuff comes at you, and it's so easy for us to be focused on what's going on around us, instead of being faithful in our relationship with the one who lives in us. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be faithful to that relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship, and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's begin there, and I want to just say this, as a, Paul again, as I mentioned, He's been a Christian for about 30 years when we get to this chapter. He's been an apostle for 25. So he had the head-on collision with Jesus Christ. We know before that he was Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting Christians. He voted for Christians to be put to death. He held the coats while they stoned Stephen. So his background is he's got things he could feel condemned about. The life that he lived before he ran into Christ. And then he has things that he could just be lack of days you know you could get to the place where i my life is born enough fruit i really don't need to do anymore for the kingdom of god and both of those are traps guys we don't want to look back at our past failures or the fruit of ministry behind us but instead we want to be faithful now keep in mind paul by this time has endured beatings shipwrecks he was stoned stoned to death and rose from the dead i believe he knew hunger cold imprisonment so he's gone through the greater amount of trials, been beating 40, uh, 40 lashes minus one five times. So he's had a rough, he's had a rough and difficult as he serves the Lord. But he's also seen thousands of many, thousands upon thousands of people get saved. He's seen churches planted all over much of the known world. And so he's got this past and this life as he's sitting in prison. And now where does the source of his joy come from? The source of his joy comes from his relationship with the Lord. So let's begin there in verse 12, looking at pressing toward the goal. That's the second half of the message. How do we rejoice in the Lord? Pressing toward the goal. First by how, what can rob us of it? Focusing on our past, instead of pressing toward the goal, the upward call in Christ Jesus. By the way, we need to look ahead, not look back. We need to look up and not around. Can I get an amen to that? So looking up and looking forward. Amen not looking back and looking around. Amen? That's what the world does. Looks back and remembers, oh, you need therapy. You got to go back and talk about this for the next 500 years and $100 a week. And you need to do this. And we're going to go back and go back into the womb and start all over. No, Jesus forgave us. Can I get an amen? And we also don't want to look around to be so caught up in the world. We want to be looking up and looking ahead and serving the Lord. Let's begin there in verse 12. So he says there, On the wrong, there it is. Now, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Now, I love this. If anybody could have said, I've arrived, it's Paul. If anybody could have said, I'm as spiritually mature as I'm ever going to get, I've been through more stuff than anybody who's ever lived. Churches planted suffering uh, endured, all that he has been through, the total picture of the ideal, on-fire, sold-out, godly man. And how does he begin this portion? He says, not that I have already attained. The other thing that we see about the Apostle Paul that I love, early in his ministry, he called himself the least of the apostles. At the end of his ministry, he called himself the chief of sinners. See, because the closer you get to the Lord, the more grieved you are by your sin. Can I get an amen to that? And the more you hunger to live a holy and set-apart life. Not legalism to earn salvation, but conviction because you're saved. And he's a man who walks in conviction. He's a man who doesn't think he's arrived. And there's fewer things more nauseating to me than meeting somebody who claims to be a Christian who acts like they've arrived. How many of you guys have more growing to do spiritually? I'm putting up two hands for that one. We got more growing to do. I'm, we, we never get to the place. I've met people that tell me they don't sin anymore. I've met them. Well, I've you know I've been fully whole, you know and I don't sin anymore. I, I've gotten past it. I've grown so much spiritually. Uh, there, uh, you know, here's a sin you struggle with: pride. The fact that you bragged about the fact that you don't sin proves you're still a sinner because you're prideful. Can I get an amen to that? And there's this reality that all of us—and I use this analogy. Some people don't like it. But I believe that christianity is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up or sliding down You're either getting closer to the lord or further away from him You're either pressing into the kingdom of god Or you're getting further away from him and my prayer constantly for myself is lord. I want to be closer to you tomorrow than I am today I want to be more in love with you next week than I was this week. Can I get an amen to that? But you know what you're as close to god as you want to be You know god doesn't move away from you We move away from him you're not as close as you used to be, who moved? Amen? And so the reality is that all of us are either growing or fading. And Paul says, look, I have not attained. And that should be the heart of someone who is growing. I know I have more growing to do. That's Paul's heart. And here he is, this man that most Christians would say is maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived outside of Christ himself. And so here's Paul and he says, look, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained everything. I've got a long further place to go. But he says, I press on, press on, that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm pressing toward the goal. Paul used the analogy of a runner to describe a Christian spiritual growth. The goal is Christ-likeness. It says in Romans 8, And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed unto the image of his Son. Here's the thing that you, get, you want prayer for the most often, that we all do, is when we're suffering. Can I get an amen to that? So we want prayer... And often the prayer is, Lord, get me out of this. But the other prayer we pray is, make me more like you. One of the things he does to make us more like him is he allows us to go through difficulty to keep us humble, broken, and desperate for him. Amen? You guys have heard me say that when, you know, Psalm 23, when you're lying down in the green pasture, you might forget where the shepherd is, but when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're hanging on to him with both hands. Can I get an amen? It says, in James, "Account all joy when you fall into various trials... For trials produce patience in the perfecting of your faith. See, the suffering and the difficulties of this life are opportunities for us to grow, and we often want to escape the very thing that we've prayed. Lord, make me more like you. How do we become more like him? We join him in the fellowship of his suffering. When we have a spiritual mind and focus, we can count it all joy when we face various trials, knowing that God will use them to conform us more into the image of our Savior. Again, Paul was not satisfied with his Christian walk. You know who was real satisfied with their walk? The Pharisees. They walked around in black robes. They loved to pray in the center square. They loved when people were in awe and reverence of them. Look how holy that dude is. And they loved the praise of men. And then Jesus came along and addressed the Pharisees who thought they had made it. They thought they had attained it. Who thought they were holy. And he called them a brood of vipers. Called them a bunch of snakes. He also called them dogs, called them whited sepulchers. On the outside, they look real pretty, but they're filled with dead men's bones. No wonder they were gnashing their teeth and crying out for him to be crucified, because he called them out on the fact that, hey, if you're here this morning and you think you've made it, I'm going to let me clue you in. No, you haven't. If you're here and you don't rec- know that you're a sinner like the rest of us, let me cl- Yes, you are. Can I get an amen? How many sinners are got in the room? Amen. So we're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Paul recognizes he hasn't attained it. He knows that he needs to continue to press on. So no matter where we are in our sanctification process, becoming more like our Savior, wherever we are, we all have growing to do. Amen? And you know what? How do we grow? How do we grow physically? We, we, we eat, we exercise, we move, right? Guess what? The same is true spiritually. The apostles were to desire the Word of God more than our necessary food. If you don't read God's Word, you are not going to grow spiritually. Amen? 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 Read the book, don't wait for the movie. Amen? Get your Bible, open it up, read it, obey it. Amen? Open it, read it, obey it. That's what the Word of God commands us to do. So he's not satisfied with... If Paul's not satisfied with his walk, should I be satisfied with mine? I'm not worthy to be in the same room with the Apostle Paul in some way, what I mean by his, how faithful he's been. I got a long way to go, amen? And at the same time, if he says, I haven't attained it, well, guys, neither have we. And one of the things we can fall into as Christians, we can fall into that place of just becoming uh, lukewarm and lackadaisical. Hey, man, I'm going to heaven. Got to get out a hell free card. I'll give, an, I'll give the Lord an hour a week or every other week. But you know what? He's not the priority and passion of my life. You know what? We're called the bride of Christ. If you only spend an hour with your spouse, you're not going to be married very long. Can I get an amen? Amen. We need to be the same way with the Lord. You know what? There's a continuous hunger and passion to know God more. Guys, that should be our heart. We should wake up every day desiring to know Him better. To know Him better is to love Him more. And I want to know the Lord better. And no matter how much I know Him, I want to know Him more. And that's the Apostle Paul's heart. And that should be our heart as well. Note those who are used mildly by God. Their focus is on God, not other believers. Here's the other problem you can have. Don't compare yourselves to Christians. Compare yourself to Christ. Amen? Well, other Christians sleep around, so other Christians party. Other Christians cheat on their taxes. Other Christians, what you know, whatever. Don't compare yourself to other Christians. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The music played. Everybody fell. Three guys stood because they were not comparing themselves to anybody else. They were only following God's command for their lives. Amen? Guys, it shouldn't be going with the flow. You've heard me say it. Any dead fish can go with the flow. Amen? Any one of us can just be like the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And how do we do that? We press onward. We keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He needs to be the priority and the passion of our lives. Should we be good, the best workers? I say it all the time. We should be the best workers in the building. What's the answer? Get there early, work hard, do your job as unto the Lord. Should we be the best parents, best spouses? Absolutely. And you know what? All of that is possible when Jesus is the priority and passion of your life. Focus on God, not on other believers. That's how we can be used mightily by the Lord. Notice he says there, for that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The Lord has, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, Jesus, if you're born again this morning, Jesus chose you. Can I get a hallelujah on that? Jesus chose you. He blessed you. He adopted you, he's accepted you, he's redeemed you, he's forgiven you, he's preparing a place for you, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, he will never leave you nor forsake you, and you get to call yourself by his name, Christian. Can I get an amen to that? And guys, when we recognize what he has done for us, doesn't it get us excited to do more for him? And that's what Paul's saying, he's laid a hold of me, he's got a hold of my life. You know, I've I've shared this analogy a few times when I was uh, in, in, especially like in middle school. You know, I was kind of an athletic guy. And when they would do teams, a lot of times I'd be the captain. And and I always felt sorry for the person who got picked last. Just felt sorry for him. We'll take the girl with the cast and you can have him. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And he just felt sorry for those kids. And so I would always pick the last guy first whenever I was captain. i just pick him first. And you know, they would come up to me in high school. I remember that time at dodgeball. You picked me first. Because you know what? We want to be chosen, don't we? Guys, why don't you get picked in dodgeball is irrelevant. Here's the good news. God chose you. And he's adopted you into his family. And we're new creations in Christ. And it ought to change our priority and our passions everywhere else. Verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward toward those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love this. Paul narrows it down to one thing. Of all the things that Paul's doing in his life, all the difficulties he has suffered, as he desires to be more like Jesus, he says, This one thing I do become more like Jesus, to become molded more into his image, what do I do? He says, forgetting those things which are behind. The word forgetting in Greek means to neglect, no longer caring for, forgotten, given over to oblivion. Those things in your past, and you know what, a lot of us walk around feeling like we can't have an impact on the future because of our past. Maybe some of you got things in your past that you wouldn't want anybody to know. God knows if you've asked him to forgive you, he's forgiven you. Can I get an amen? The Bible says he separates your sin as far as the east is from the west. In the old covenant, they would have a scapegoat. They would confess their sins over it. And then they would send the goat out running. And it would run past people's station in different places from the east to the west. And as the goat ran by, they would shout back that it's gone further and further and further away. And that goat would just keep running until it was out of sight. And it was go from east to the west. And then Jesus said, I've separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. Guys, he doesn't remember your sin anymore. So if you're condemned by it, that's not the Lord, that's the enemy. Can I get an amen to that? There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to say this, please. I'm going to, I'm going to insult some people or offend some people, but I, please know I'm doing this from a heart of love. You don't need to go to a secular psychologist or psychiatrist to have them help you in your walk with the Lord. Can I get an amen? They need Jesus. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? Now, I praise God. We have some people in our church that are counselors and are Christians. We need more of those. Can I get an amen? Because we want counsel from the word of God, not the wisdom of dead atheists. Can I get an amen? Amen? Freud, young, old, dead atheists burning in hell, don't know God, don't need their counsel, we need the Lord's. Oh, I just came to visit and man, I had no idea this guy's crazy. But the reality is that we continue to run to the world and I have co workers that have been counseling for 20 years. I'm like, how's that working out? We're new creations in Christ right now. Can I get an amen to that? Now, I'm not saying that there might not be a time. To come together for counseling because you struggle with something. Let's pray about it. Let's give it to the Lord. But we don't need to re-experience it over and over and over and over and over. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Can I get an amen to that? It's been paid for. Let's move forward in Christ. I say it a lot. When an enemy reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Amen? And don't become complacent or be crippled by your past. And that's exactly what Paul says. This one thing I do, I'm leaving it behind. We've got to go forward in our walk with the Lord. We can be so bummed out about what we did, what we failed at in the past, or so, or so uh, filled up with the way God used us in the past, that we cease to be desperate for God to use us in the future. And that's what the Apostle Paul is exhorting them. The world will tell you you need to go back to work through your issues and take inventory and talk it out and rehash it. And now, while indeed, again, we're impacted by our past, and there are times of godly counsel and prayer for healing and forgiveness, as Christians, there's no need, again, to be something we carry around and have anguish and bitterness over for a lifetime. If you're here this morning and you're carrying something like that, we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to love you and know that the Lord's forgiven you. As long as we continue to dwell on the past, we'll have a hard time going forward in our walk with the Lord. I don't know what you've been through, but the Lord does. And He's promised to separate as far as Jesus from the West. Amen? He has, separ- he has promised to heal you, to forgive you, to make you a new creation in Christ. We need to trust God's word over our past memories. Amen? The Apostle Paul said this. And as much as you've done, most of you probably were not as bad as Saul of Tarsus. Can I get an amen? Because he was out killing Christians. He was zealous for the law and was an enemy of Christ. He held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. Can you imagine becoming a Christian and flashing back on the fact that you were holding coats when they stoned another Christian to death? Can you imagine becoming a Christian and flashing back on the times that you raised your hand to vote to have Christians executed and now you are a Christian? Wouldn't that you could see how you would walk around condemned? But God, by His grace, has given Paul the passion to say, This one thing I do, I don't look back there anymore. I'm pressing on. And I want to be used for his kingdom and for his glory. If anyone could have dwelt on his uh, past issues, again, it would have been Paul. But this one thing I do. And this applies not only with struggles, but also past victories. You know, being crippled by past difficulties is one thing, but becoming placed due to past victories. You know, Paul could have said, it's time for you to retire. 25 years an apostle. Planted you know dozens of churches thousands of people saved Does, you know god's using them to write the book we're reading this morning can i get an amen and he's writing letters and god's used them mightily and it would be easy for someone to say well i'm just gonna rest i've done enough can i clue you in we've never done enough for the kingdom of god we've never done enough i'll be real transparent with you i don't get it when pastors retire i don't get it what are you going to do instead I don't understand that. So as long as I'm physically able, I want to be like Pastor Chuck. He taught on an oxygen tank on Sunday and went to heaven on Tuesday. That's called finishing strong for Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? My dad was a pastor into his 80s, and I remember when we would talk on the phone, we'd always finish the conversation, let's finish strong jesus and my dad finished strong he was blind and he was still taking phone calls uh 1-800 line where people called him with questions about the lord and he's sharing jesus over the phone guys we want to finish strong for jesus amen we don't retire we don't quit we don't i don't want to, i don't need a vacation home i need a, a, another place to do ministry can i get an amen to that and that's the apostle paul's heart he's not crippled by the past or complacent because of it i don't use a lot of secular things, but I love this. Um, When Cortez landed at Veracruz in 1519, to begin his conquest of Mexico with the force of only 700 men, he did something kind of radical. Who knows what he did? What did he do? He burned his ships. You want to make sure nobody goes back? Burn the ships. They had 11 ships. I can imagine they're napping. They wake up in the morning and all the ships are on fire. And they've just landed on this new land. That's a good way to say, we ain't going back, we're going forward, amen? And some of us as Christians, we need to burn the ships. The stuff that's behind us, that overwhelms us, that consumes us, set that thing on fire. The Lord's forgiven you and have your mind and your focus one way, serving the Lord, pressing onward and upward to the call of Christ Jesus upon your life. Can I get an amen to that? Forgetting those things. It says in Colossians 3, 2, one of my many favorite verses, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So he's reaching forward. Again, look what it says. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. The word there means to reach forward, making a concerted effort to draw near to God. The goal is Christ's likeness here and now, and the prize is Christ's likeness in heaven. The goal should be to be more like Jesus now, knowing that one day... We will have new bodies and be with him in heaven forever, and I cannot wait for that day. The word upward call there means a heavenly calling. The prize is an award to the victor in games, a prize of heavenly reward for Christian character, leaving that which is behind for the upward call in Christ Jesus, again in Christ, in knowing and loving and serving and following him with reckless abandon, not rules and rituals. Guys, We're not becoming more religious, we're becoming more in love with Jesus. Does that make sense? More religious often means just more stiff and stoic and self-righteous sometimes. Can I get an amen to that? I love what the word religion means. It just has got a new meaning now. The word relingara, which is in the original language, which means to relink. So religion means to relink. It's relinking sinful man back to holy God. I love that. Do you want to use that word? I'm religious. But what does what religion come to mean? A bunch of stoic, self-righteous, fulfilling a bunch of rituals, and having little to no impact on the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? So guys, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's Jesus Christ, your best friend. Guys, leave behind whatever else has been the priority and passion in your life and make Jesus, uh, give him the position that he deserves. Verse 15 and 16. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature. Have this in mind. Have this in mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Paul's exhorting the spiritually mature believers in the Philippian church to be on the same team. He said, guys, as we press toward the Lord, We're going in the same direction. As we head in the same direction, we should be of the same mind. Amen? And you know what the enemy loves more than anything? When Christians are fighting with Christians. When we're debating over a secondary issue and we're not reaching out and ministering to people that need Jesus. I have a relative who's heavy in Reformed theology. And if you're Reformed theology, God bless you, we love you, we're glad you're here. But I disagree with you. And let me tell you why I do. Because I don't believe in limited atonement. I don't believe that Jesus died for some. I believe he died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. But here's the thing. They want to just sit and debate me about reformed theology all day. I'm like, people are dying and going to hell without Jesus. This is an intramural scrimmage. We need to go out there and get in the battle. Can I get an amen? We're already going to heaven, right? Okay, let's go reach people. And too often, you got people that would rather debate other Christians than reach out to people that need Christ. I'm excited about Saturate USA. I'm excited we're going to go to 11,000 plus doors and walk up to their door and hang something on their door. And I believe there's going to be some divine appointments waiting for us. Can I get an amen to that? There are going to be people in their driveway watering their lawn and you're going to walk up to put something on their doorstep and then go, hey, can I help you? Hey, it's just a gift from our church. Now, whatever they say next, divine appointment. Can I get an amen to that? There's going to be opportunities to be used for the Lord. And he's saying to the... Philippian believers, and we'll see why in chapter 4, Yodi and Tiki were two women, and they were part of groups that were battling with each other over non-essentials. And he's letting them know, I want you on the same page. See, the church down the street is not our competition. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? It doesn't matter what boat they get in off the sinking ship as long as they get to shore. Can I get an amen to that? And so I'm as excited when someone gets saved at any church in town. I love the other pastors in the area. We, we pray for each other. We meet together. And you know what? I want to see the kingdom added to. And his whole point here is, instead of trying to build your camp, be united with like-minded believers. Guys, we have a common goal. We should all be running in the same direction toward the upward calling in Christ Jesus. And again, the race isn't against each other. Some people, when someone else falls, they feel better about themselves. Oh, he fell. I'm ahead of him. He's behind me now. I had a guy one time, a church, a pastor fell, and they're like, oh, I, I wonder if they're going to be looking for a new pastor there. That's a lot bigger church than the one I pastor. Dude, he didn't resign right now, right? <laughs> Guys, our focus is not on achieving more in this world, but being used for the Lord and having a common goal and working together to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, we're not competing with each other, we're on the same team. When someone falls, it's not an opportunity to pass them up, it's an opportunity to pick them up. Can I get an amen to that? When somebody falls, it's not an opportunity to pass them up, it's an opportunity to pick them up. And that's what the body of Christ should do. It's been said that Christians are the only ones that shoot their wounded. And sometimes we do that. Somebody falls, and people get legalistic and jump on them. And yeah, they may have done something that's horrendous, and there's going to be consequences. But we also need to go love them enough to help them be restored in their relationship with the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And that should be the body of Christ. And Paul is exhorting them. Spiritually mature means you don't quit or look back, but you keep moving forward in Christ. See, trials and temptations are both opportunity, not just to fail, but opportunities to grow. And as you mature in your faith, every time a trial comes, every time a temptation comes, when you resist the devil, he flees from you and you grow spiritually. When a trial comes and you keep your eyes on Jesus, you come out the other side more on fire for the Lord than when the trial came. Can I get an amen to that? And that's all part of us growing, and sometimes we want to avoid the very things that help us to grow. It says in Proverbs 24, For a man, a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. See, when we fall, we don't go backwards. We just get back up and say, Lord, forgive me. By the way, I find myself asking God to forgive me more and more every day. Is anybody else like me? Can I get an amen? Because I'm more and more convicted now than I've ever been. So even a thought that's halfway in my mind and I haven't even said anything and nobody, oh, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help. Can I get an amen to that? I want to walk in the center of your will. I want to be the man you've called me to be. I can't do this, Lord, without you. Pressing onward to the goal. So, number one of today's message, number two on your outline there, uh, three things that can rob us of our joy. We saw a self-righteous attitude and then focusing on the past. Again, let's not focus on the past. Let's be faithful going toward the future. Second point. How else can we be robbed of our joy, by having a worldly focus. Is this world a mess? Is the world a mess? They should just call the news the bad news. The evening, bad news, da, 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 right? Because bad news is coming. Bad news, more bad news. And they're smiling with a, with a ball gown on while they're telling us all the bad news, right? And there's this mentality that takes place. And if we watch enough of that, it can be discouraging. But the reality is, praise God, we're in the world, but not of the world. We minister to the world, have no fellowship with it, and the world around us needs Jesus and we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Can I get an amen? amen. So when people don't know God, act like they don't know God, we need to share the love of Christ with them. We to let them come to know Jesus Christ for who he is, that their lives can be transformed. Look what he says there, beginning in verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. You know, you've got to be pretty bold and really strong in your faith and having heard from the Lord to turn to someone and say, just follow my example. That's the Apostle Paul just said. How many feel comfortable that you can get in front of a crowd and say, hey, everybody, just do what I do. Just videotape my life and all of you watch it and do the same thing. Got any volunteers? Especially, we could videotape your thought process, right? Can you imagine? Here's something we should all be exhorted by: if we videotape you for 24 hours a day for a week, including your thought life, and we put it up on a screen and we put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Amen. Would they see you opening your Bible? Would they see you praying? Would they see you sharing your faith? Would they see you being kind and loving to others? Would they see that Christ-like example? Would Would they see you when you failed, getting on your knees and asking God for forgiveness? Guys, we're supposed to be different than the world. And he says, be imitators of me. That's my example. Follow my example. Later he would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think I can get closer to saying that one. Can I get an amen to that? Follow me as long as I'm following him. Can I get an amen to that? As long as I'm following him, just follow, right? Because following, we're following the same guy. Can I get an amen? He would later say that. But here he literally says, follow my example. And he talks about those uh, among you who walk by the same pattern. You can follow them as well. Have, have a Christ-like example you can look to as an example for your life. But here's the reality. There's only one real Christ-like example that will never fail us, and that's the Lord. Amen? I said it on Thursday. When you don't know what to do, be obedient to what you know is true. Can I get an amen to that? See, when you don't know what's next, when you don't want to know what decision to make, you know what the Word of God says. Just obey this until God shows you what's next. Amen. Just be faithful to the truth of God's Word. This is the pattern we follow. Jesus Christ is our example. The word "pattern" there means to strike an exact exact image on metal. Um, one of my favorite sayings used to be "Be the moon." I used to have a T-shirt that said "Be the moon." People go, "What does that mean?" What does the moon do? It reflects the sun. The S-U-N. And as Christians, we should be the moon reflecting the S-O-N. Amen? See, the moon just reflects the sun. The moon has no light. It's just light being shined on it that bounces off of it. And we don't have the light apart from Christ. And we are the light of the world because he bounces off of us and shines on a world around us. Amen? And what he's telling you is, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, follow my example Make Jesus the priority and the passion of your life. Guys, if we followed his example, we would not be complaining. Can I get an amen? If we followed his example. We wouldn't view everything as all oh, the world you've got it out for me. I prayed with a guy this week. I don't understand, man. God just keeps hitting me with a stick, man. It's just not fair. Why do I keep having to go through all these trials? You know, and then at the same time, though, he would later say, Well, you know, I only pray when I'm going through difficulty. There you go. I only pray when, I'm, when it's real tough. That's what drives me to my knees. I'm like, well, maybe you're going through trials because he misses you. Can I get an amen? And the reality is here that he says, look, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let's have a, an example of the Lord. Let's be a pattern, have him struck on our heart that we reflect Jesus to a lost and a dying world. As Christians, we are not to be the Lone Ranger. Can I get an amen? Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Here's one of my prayers for Saturate USA when we go to 11,000 homes or so, whatever that number is. When we go to those homes, there will be people who used to go to church, who stopped going to church, who know they need to get back into fellowship, and here's going to be the opportunity. Can I get an amen? Hey, I haven't been in fellowship in a long time. You know what? Come our, We'd love to have you. And if you don't come to our church, there's other churches in town. Just go get in fellowship somewhere. And some, There's going to be some people that that's going to happen. Amen? You know what? It's a, it's a habit. It's, it's a choice to be in fellowship. Can I get an amen? And what will happen is, this happens all the time, uh, a life event. You move to a new city. Uh, you have a baby, so you don't want the baby to get sick, so you stop coming to church. Whatever. The th- you have these things that happen in life. You're, they, they change your hours to Sunday, and before you know it, you look up. And just, you don't go to church anymore. You're not in fellowship anymore. You're not growing spiritually. You don't have accountability. You don't have a place to use the gifts God's given you for his kingdom and and his glory, amen? And you miss out. And that's why he says, follow the pattern. You have us for a pattern. Other believers for a pattern. Other believers that you can turn to for godly counsel. Verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul's heart is broken over the lives of some religious who are living enemies of the cross. Again, Jesus to the Pharisees. They thought they were the most religious people on the planet. I, again, I, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I have to confess to you, if the guy's wearing a bunch of robes, got a collar on, it's, it's this mentality of somehow I'm in a different place of holiness. There's kind of separation between the, the priesthood or whoever it is and the rest of the people. Guys, here's the reality. We all need Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? We're all sinners saved by grace. I went and spoke at a Presbyterian church that was struggling one time. This was years ago. And when I got there, I filled in. I was pastoring a church in Santa Cruz and they needed a pastor. So I came and filled in. And when I came to fill in, they told me, oh, here's your robe. And it made the coat of many colors of Joseph look like, like plain. <laughs> I want you to put on this robe, and I'm not kidding. Their pulpit was like as high as that beam up there. So you climbed up this thing, and you're standing down looking at the people in your, you know, your glowing robe, teaching them. And I thought, yeah, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> we'll be doing none of that. I, they lost their minds when I grabbed a mic a stand and I went s- down on the floor and I'm standing there dressed like I am right now. Oh. <laughs> Touch not the glory. Can I get an amen? I only look up to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? I don't look, I, you know, again, we don't praise men. We praise God. Amen. I know someone doesn't know me. When I get a letter, and it's, it's, it's titled reverend. <laughs> Dude, you never met me. We reverence one. His name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. There's only room for one celebrity in Christianity. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul's heart is broken over these religious people who were actually walking around and were enemies of the cause of Christ. Those who walk according to their own fleshly and worldly desires were not to follow their example. Again, that's both the self-righteous legalist and those whose liberty allowed them to indulge in the flesh. We don't follow the ones that have 5,000 rules who walk around with no joy and are telling you, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. You're right. And And they make it a prerequisite for salvation. You have to be baptized in our baptismal on the third Thursday of the of the month on a full moon or you're not saved. You know, again, these all these regulations that they have for salvation. But we also don't want to follow those who have the get out of hell free card that uh, the cheap grace that says, Hey man, I'm under the law, man, I'm under grace. I had a guy in Santa Cruz, the church I pastored, who was stoned every time I saw him. And he would go, Pastor Dave, man, I'm under grace, man. I said, "No, you're under the influence, bro." You <laughs> would tell me, "Well, it grows up out of the ground, bro. Jesus didn't want to smoke it, why don't you grow it?" <laughs> I'd say, well, "Why don't you smoke some poison ivy, Hell, oh, That works out. <laughs> How about some mercury?" <laughs> Amen. Smoking anything that comes out of the ground ain't gonna work for you, bro. But the reality is—is is this? Hey, I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want. Again, God's riches at price expense see grace is a free gift but it wasn't cheap can i get an amen to that it's a free gift offered to us but jesus paid everything for us to have it how dare we cheapen god's grace by live in open rebellion to what His Word, the word of god commands us so the passion which is it you're saying legalism is, is not good and you're saying that cheap grace isn't good because you know what neither one of them is you know what's good? Following Jesus, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, being born again, a new creation in Christ, and keeping your eyes on him. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We are called to live holy lives, but holiness is not the source of salvation, it's the fruit of salvation. The legalist thinks it's the sort of, source of salvation, and the, uh, the person who walks in liberty and chief grace doesn't think that fruit is necessary at all. Like it's, so should we have fruitful lives? Yes, but it's not how we get saved, it's proof that we've been saved. Does that make sense? Amen. Then it says there in verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Whether Paul is speaking of the Judaizers or the the Gnostics, those pursuers of knowledge, all who reject the redemptive work of Jesus are enemies of the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. When the world looks at the cross, it means nothing. It could be a piece of jewelry. Amen? But to us, it means everything. It's the greatest picture of love in all of human history. Notice what he says, their end is destruction. When I get church growth stuff, which I get all the time, they always have a couple of things they tell you never to do. Don't tell people they're sinners, and don't talk about hell. You know who loves that program? Satan. Amen? Don't tell people they're sinners, they'll see no need for a savior, and tell people there's no hell. Now there's some pastors who have come out, and they're not, as far as I'm concerned, they're false prophets, who have now said, well, we just don't think a loving God would have a hell, so we just don't believe in it. And I love when, when a pastor becomes smarter than God in his word. Because Jesus talks more about hell than he does heaven. It's in the Bible. We know that if we read it. Now, why does he tell us? Because he doesn't want us to go there. Can I get an amen to that? let me ask you a question if there's a busload of people driving off a cliff don't you want to do everything you can to stop them what you don't want to do is say well that's not really a cliff there really is no cliff and you can just keep driving that way it's not you'll be fine in the end ah, right amen and we don't want to do that we want to love people enough to tell them the truth we want to love people enough to warn them of the judgment which is to come so tragic so heartbreaking. What time is it? My watch stopped again. Eleven twelve. I got it. I'm going to put that right there. If my phone rings, they can just join the message. Can I get an amen? It says their end is destruction. It refers to their ultimate destiny. So these guys who were very spiritual, wore the black robes, kept all the rules, who all the people admired, their end was going to be destruction. And the Lord loved them enough to call them out. The same end... For all who depend on anything other than Jesus. If you're depending on your wealth to get to heaven, you're not getting there. If you're depending on your good works, you're not going. Can I get an amen to that? If you're depending on, on your intellect or your knowledge of scripture, if you don't have a knowledge of the... Of the God, it's, not, it's not enough to have the knowledge of the word of God. You have to have know the God of the word. Amen? And so much of the world we live in today is paddling over stuff that's perishing. I used to use this term, they're fighting over deck chairs in the Titanic. Amen? You know, you should be getting on on a lifeboat right about now, and instead we're fighting over who's got the nicest deck chair on a sinking ship. And that's what the world does today. Look at my house. Look at the money I have. Look at the possessions I have. And we focus so much on that which is perishing. None of that will matter when you stand before Almighty God. Amen? Three weeks ago today, a quarter of a mile from here, Nine people who had no idea when they got on that helicopter that they'd be standing before the Lord. And I pray they all knew Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? That's absolutely my prayer. But you know what? No matter how much money you have or how famous you are or whatever it is, if you don't know the Lord. Luke 16, Lazarus and the rich man. Guys, you either know him or you don't. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Have you been born again? That's the exhortation. It says God is their belly. It refers to their sensual desires and fleshly appetites. Whenever I think when it says when God is their belly, I can only think of one guy, Esau. Do you remember Esau? He comes in from hunting and he's hungry. And his brother, what's his brother's name? Says, hey, I'll give you a bowl of soup for your birthright. Done. That's a dude whose God is his belly. Amen. He's hungry at the moment and is willing to give up the double portion of inheritance, is willing to give up all that God has for him just to get full for the moment. But isn't that what we do every time we sin? Every time we make a conscious choice to sin, are we not pursuing something that is temporary, knowing that it will harm us in our relationship with the Lord, and there will be consequences to follow? Can I get an amen to that? So Lord, help us. He says, these people, God is their belly. And the glory is their shame. The very things they boast in upon the earth will be the shame when they stand before Almighty God. The Bible says our good works are as filthy rags. The best things that we've done in our own strength are as filthy rags to God. By the way, do you think about heaven very much? Can I encourage you to think about it more? Because heaven's heaven rocks. Can I get an amen? And no matter how great you think it is, it's going to be great. Gold is asphalt in heaven. Can I get an Amen. We're going to be where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more suffering. It says we will know as we are known. We'll be in the the same type of body that Jesus had after he rose from the dead. And we will, again, we will walk with him. And we'll have that glorified body. You know why we need a glorified body? So that we can come near a glorified God. Amen? Only because we will be without sin and we'll have bodies that are not impacted by sin. We will be able to walk up and we're going to be able to to hug Jesus. And this is one time I'm going to be selfish. Get in line behind me. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Cannot wait to see my savior face to face. Cannot wait to hug him. Guys, and we're pursuing stuff with so much passion that the moment we die will be meaningless. And maybe before even that. Amen. And he's encouraging them. Your glory is going to be your shame. The world today is often very proud of the things it should be afraid of. Can I get an amen to that? People are proud of stuff that they should be ashamed of. Pro- Co-workers I, I used to have that would be proud of some woman that they met in a bar and they're cheating on their, their, their wife with some woman and they're proud of it. I man, I can still get a young woman. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me right now? By the way, I'm, I'm telling. <laughs> I am telling. I will tell. I know your wife. I'm telling but there's these things that people are proud of that they should be ashamed of. I got over on that guy in that business deal, man. I took him. Let's see how that works out on Judgment Day. Can I get an amen? The things that we're proud of should only be things that bring glory and honor to the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. The Gentiles love the world and all the things in it. The Judaizers love their rituals and sacrifices and ceremonies, and, neither, and they didn't know the Lord, either, either group. Where your treasures, your heart will be also what do you treasure? What do you invest your time in? What do you invest your resources? Look, here at Calvary Chapel, we don't, we don't, we're not going to pass offerings 12 times. We don't want you tipping God. Can I get an amen to that? We have a, we, if you want to give, you give. The Bible says you purpose beforehand in your heart, what you will give. There's a box in the back and we will never have a thermometer on the wall and we will never beat you up for money because we're God guides, God provides. Can I get an amen to that? But that being said, should we give? What's the answer? We give to those things that are a priority to us. Amen? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm not just talking about your finances, but I'm talking about your time. Hey, next Sunday, I know maybe you have plans. Take an hour and help us put together some stuff that we're going to hand off to some people that might lead them to a relationship with Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's the priority? What's the passion of your life. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When Jesus is the priority, everything else will take care of itself. Amen. Let's finish up. For our citizenship is in heaven for which we eagerly wait. You know the word eagerly there? I looked it up. Standing on your tiptoes with anticipation. Man, I like that. I looked that up. i went, what does that mean? Like you're on your tiptoes. Lord, I'm right here. And you know what, sadly, is that I don't think we're as excited about heaven as we should be. Can I get an amen to that? You know, I'd like to go to heaven, but, you know, I, I, you know, I got another degree I want to get before then. Or, I, or, you know, I would like to have some grandkids. or you know, And again, those are all good things. But you know what? When we get to heaven, we're not going to be bummed we didn't stay in this dung heap a little longer. Can I get an amen to that? You know, Lord, you could have left me down that dung heap for another couple months. We're going to say, oh, Lord, thank you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? Maranatha. Amen? You know, that's one thing we lost from the 70s and 80s, man. People are always talking about, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now it's like, Lord, take your time. I got stuff to do. (laughs) Lord, help us to get our eyes back on. Heaven's better. I want to see people go to heaven with us. Can I get an amen to that? Right now, we're just shoveling dirt. I got a bigger pile of dirt than you moving into a bigger pile of dirt i got a gold pile of dirt and it's so we act like the stuff that's so important when what really matters is eternity in heaven waiting patiently with great expectation looking up i love the song i've never been more homesick than now by mercy me you ever heard that song he talks about his father dying and how heaven is just that much more precious to him and you know what i got more and more people i can't wait to see on that side of heaven But as much as I can't wait to see parents and grandparents and family and friends that I love and people from churches I've pastored that I love, the one I'm most excited to see is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're going to see Jesus, guys. Don't you want to live for him now? Amen? So good. Final verse. We eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, we wait for Jesus, amen? Then it says, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I just mentioned this beforehand, that Jesus is coming soon. There should be a sense of urgency. And when Jesus comes back, he will take these bodies and conform them into a glorious one. Who can say praise God for that? If you're not in pain right now, you're less than 30. Can I get an amen? I, right now, both my elbows have tendonitis. Both my shoulders. I might be having to have a, a rotator cuff surgery. I can barely pick. I, I used to bench press almost five hundred pounds, and I can barely pick up a cup. I'm falling apart. I'm getting squishy because I can't do anything. Amen. You know, and and praise God, we get to bury this tent. And how sad would it be if anybody in this room, if you spent your life savings on a tent that you're only going to use camping for a weekend i'd be worried about you can i get an amen because you realize it's temporary and it's foolish to invest everything in something so temporary well guess what when we invest in this world we're investing in a tent that's going to last for a weekend we should be investing in the kingdom of god can i get an amen Spending our time reaching people with the gospel. Spending time reaching out to a lost and a dying world that so desperately needs Jesus. I can't wait to leave this earthly body behind. The word transform, as I finish up here, the word is where we get metamorphosis. It's change to change uh, to the figure, uh, to t- transform it. When we are resurrected, we'll have a new body. We'll have the same type of body that Jesus himself had after he was resurrected. In 1 John 3, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It was not not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. So we can only be in his presence if we are like him. That's why there can be no sin in heaven. If you have one sin in heaven, you have earth part two. That's why Jesus died to pay the price for our sin so we can be made holy and perfect in Him so we then can be in fellowship with the Lord and be in His presence. Can I get an amen to that? So, guys, we don't get in His presence because we earn it, we don't deserve it. He gives it to us because He loves us. And we're going to leave these vile, tainted, leaky tents behind. Thank you, Lord. The end of that verse says, according to the working by which he was able to subdue all things to himself, according to his great power, as all things are subject to him. You know, our God said light, and there was light. He put the stars in the sky by speaking it into existence. We get all excited. We're so proud of ourselves. We got a satellite up, billions of dollars. Took us 30 years to do it, but we got one up there now. We're taking pictures of Mars. And our our God went, stars! Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that he's on your side? Isn't it good to know that he is for you? Isn't it good to know the one that said, light is and light was, never leaves you nor forsakes you? What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? According to the great power, as all things are subject to him, he created the stars, the heavens, all creation is held in his hand. The same power that created all things is the same power that holds us together and will transform us into glorified bodies. The same power again, cool thoughts, a glorified body, a glimpse of the Mount of Transfiguration after Jesus was resurrected. And again, still identifiable. We're going to know each other, but it's going to be radically different. By the way, Jesus ate after his body was transformed. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Barbecues in heaven with no cholesterol. Thank you, Jesus. Rise, kill, and eat, it says in the word of God. Have you ever noticed every time they have sacrifice, it says it's sweet-smelling aroma in God's presence? He likes to smell barbecue just like we do. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) But just heaven's going to blow us away, you guys. And here's what breaks my heart, is if anybody in this room who's been exposed to the truth of the gospel would spend eternity separated from Almighty God, it absolutely breaks my heart. I've been praying the last couple days, For this morning, that if anybody here didn't know the Lord, that they would not leave here without him. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, let today be the day of salvation, amen? So how do we rejoice? We're called to rejoice in the Lord. The three things that can rob us, a self-righteous attitude, focusing on the past, or having a worldly focus. Guys, the creator of the universe loves you. He created in his image. He loves you so much he'd rather die than live without you let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. I pray, Lord, that our priority and our passion would be your kingdom and your glory. Lord, I pray that we would not be so focused on the past that it keeps us from being useful today and in the future. May our treasure, may our heart be, treasure our, be with you and with your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. That you've come to recognize, yes, I am a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. And I know I need a savior. The Bible says again, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Going to church won't save you. Reading your Bible by itself, without confession, that alone, you can't say, Lord, I I went to church and I read my Bible. Going to Sunday school, being a good person. There comes a time where you must make an open confession. Lord, I want to, right now, shout it from the rooftops. I know I'm a sinner. Lord, please forgive me. That's your heart this morning. I just want you to confess it now by just raising your hand saying, you know what, it's time. I need to respond. I've been putting it off long enough. I want to know for sure when I leave here today that I have the promise of eternal life. If that's your heart this morning, just raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't be caught up with what the world's doing. Anybody at all. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. To you alone be all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said, is he worthy to be worshipped? Let's worship.